what is your way of relating to the divine inside you it's relationship it's a companion it's an intimacy it's just knowing that that presence that love that we can just not put words to is there and is yours and is with you and for you and in you and ahead of you and behind you and around you and just love that just love it. express your love to that divineness and receive it back this is aliveness. I'm your host, Allison Crossway, a guide and former psychotherapist here to empower you to break out of your old patterns, shift into a new state of being, and ignite your aliveness. I am feeling, I'm so close to tears. I feel excited, nervous, <laughs> scared, played open. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for asking me to do this. And, uh, you know, I'm so honored and I, f I feel the same way. And I think it's because we're just on the same page. I've always felt that with you in terms of what we're really aspiring to in our lives. And so I'm just thrilled to get to have this conversation with you. It, you know, preparing for this was really a funny exercise because I kept going, okay, so how would I like to introduce you and me and us and what it is that we do <laughs> to the people who listen to this podcast. And every time I tried to do that, I was like, okay, no. And really the heart of us is this trust. Yeah. So I'm trusting in this conversation. But the one thing I thought we could start with was how we first resonated, which was through tears. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Do you um, have anything to say about that? Yes, I do. I so remember it. I think, it, I mean, it feels to me like it was about three years ago and I was hosting a kind of a, like a book circle, a practice circle through Wisdom Waypoints, through the work with Cynthia Bojo. And there are, I think, 20-ish, 25 people on Zoom, on the screen. And there you were. I think that's where I first spotted you in that group. And um and you struck me right from the beginning as just so present and so heart-filled and alive. Alive. There you are. That's what you call this thing. And I could feel, before you even opened your mouth in any of the conversations, I could feel your, the resonance of your heart and how, and your closeness to tears, which I'm, I'm like that too, just like tears and <laughs> never far away. And um, so that's my first memory of you and just... We traveled along together looking at Cynthia Bergeau's book, The Wisdom Jesus, which is, I think it was that book, or The Wisdom Way of Knowing, one or the other. And yeah, that, that was it. And then more recently, we started working together one-on-one, -on -one, didn't we? Let's talk about that too, because, you know, as a former therapist, and then there's the coaching world, and then there's spiritual direction. And I reached out to you with this sort of intuitive desire to go deeper. And Heather and I have been working in a wisdom mentoring relationship, I'm going to say since last summer, and it's been one of the most powerful things I've ever experienced in terms of my unfolding. And yet I can't really say what we're doing. <laughs> and I know you and Bill Redfield have done a lot of work talking about what this is like. What is wisdom mentoring? Yeah, and it's so hard to put into words. And so I'm very clear, like, I'm not a therapist. I'm, you know, I'm not a spiritual director. There's something about this wisdom mentoring or spiritual accompaniment that I'm 
doing that's very kind of, it's not directive. It's really about bearing witness to someone's life and bearing witness to their process, their deepest themness, traveling along together, listening, really listening from, you know, from your deepest heart, my deepest heart, as to what's unfolding in your life and what's most real, what's most alive, what's really um, most loving. It's So it's just deep spiritual accompaniment, really. That's what I would say. Drawing a lot, in my case, um, from the Christian wisdom tradition, that's where I kind of, that's my home base. And also other traditions, but that's where I sort of fell into things when I came into the planet. So yeah, so that's what I do and what I've been doing with you for some time. And it's just the thrill of my life. It's the thrill of my life to get to walk so closely with someone. Through all the ups and downs, you know. All the crafts. Yeah. 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 I love how you say amplifying. I think you said amplifying love. Like it's so real and yet it's so hold. I feel so held as sacred and a manifestation of the divine that it supports me in being more of that. Yeah. It. That's what it feels like. Yeah, I think my whole approach to, to what I do and to my life is that I'm, that I'm living inside of a love. And a, I always use the word, as you know, coherence with a capital C, like this huge coherence that underpins all reality, all past, present and future, the entire universe. And, you know, you are a divine manifestation in your Alison-ness. And I am in my heatherness and we meet and is exploring our humanity and our divinity really together. We're always trying to live on that sweet spot between the, as, you know, the vertical axis and the horizontal axis where, you know, we are these humans and these difficult lives and doing our best. And yet we are connected to something infinitely wonderful and infinitely and intimately at hand and inside us. And learning how to live at that center point of those two axes, to me, is what life's all about, how to do that in your particularity, in my particularity. Yes. Like listening to you, I, you know, yes, this is an interview, but I'm just like absorbing. I'm like, oh, it's so healing to... It's, it, it's like a reorganization and it's so healing to receive these. I think what it is that your heart knows it to be true. My heart knows it's like we intuit something right. so true and so wonderful. And it kind of undoes us, it unravels us. And I feel like so, sometimes like so much of spirituality these days, with everything that's out there on the internet that's just available to us, you know, there's so much that so much of it is about trying to get somewhere and trying to learn something more and trying to like climb this ladder of whatever like what where what's the point of what we are trying to do there's a kind of insatiable sometimes desperateness for the next thing to know or to experience to have on your resume to put on your wall like as if we need to prove who we are and prove our value and just like and I'm like, it's so tiring. It's so tiring to me. Just there's nowhere to go. This, this kind of one of my and your, I think, favorite teachers, James Finley, talks about the idolatry of attainment. And it's that. It's like 
let's just stop trying to attain anything. Let's just be who you are, be who I am, and just rest. And like, I'm enough. You're enough. It's enough. <laughs> and just enjoy this kind of relationship with the divine that's just there and available to us and inside us, you know. It's so simple. It's so simple. This is what, you know, I think we talk every two weeks-ish, and it's like this touch point that works alongside my daily practice of like, yeah, oh, yeah, it's enough. And it's like, oh, okay, okay. So beautiful. And so often with you, Alison, I feel like we're kind of in our conversation reduced to quietness and stillness. Like it's just all so immense. There's nothing more to say. Sometimes there's nothing more to say and we just like find our tears. And sometimes it's difficult to put words to the beauty and the wonder and the tragedy, you know, of life. It's all wrapped up in one. Somehow it's all okay. And then meeting with someone at that point is just so unbelievably meaningful. One of the really profound things, I mean, everything is so profound. What does that even mean? But was the day that we talked about how some of the things I've experienced in my early life are really my portal. Some of the really bigger traumas are that portal to to this enoughness, to this still point that they've like pushed me here. Yeah. And that was such an amazing moment to really feel in my body. Like, yeah, like the gratitude for all of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, wasn't it that line from a Mary Oliver poem that, that came to us? Some, it was just a simple line, something about, I once I was given a, a box of darkness and it took me a lifetime to realize that what a gift it was or something like that. Do you remember it? And But it's basically this idea yeah. that, Whatever we're given in our lives, we started off with whatever we have, whatever the circumstances. It's exactly inside that, inside our life, inside the exact conditions that we find ourselves in, that we're met, that we're accompanied, that we're not on our own, that there's, a, that there's an abundance and ampleness available inside exactly how things are. I mean, to me, that's the essence of I mean, I fell into the Christian faith when I was very little. You know, that's how I've that's where I kind of grew up. But to me, that's the essence of all of that. And here we are in the middle of Holy Week, you know, doing following that sense of Christ's journey towards His own death and His willingness to to accept His life exactly as it was, to accept His path exactly as it was. He didn't fight it, and He didn't refuse to engage with. Can you imagine how awful how, the pain that he went through? He opened it to it. He surrendered to it. He was met in it. He transformed himself and all reality through his journey and modeled that to us. And to me, that's just the most beautiful demonstration of love. And it sort of encompasses, to me, it, in, that love encompasses everything that a human can experience. Yeah. It is very auspicious. It's the day before Good Friday. Here we are. (laughs) 
and it makes me think, I think it's, I think this is James Finley, but sometimes I'm not sure what's Merton and what's Jim Finley. I'll be honest. Yeah. But I think it's James Finley who says, God protects us from nothing, but sustains us through everything. And that feels like exactly what you're saying and exactly what Good Friday is about. Yeah. And exactly what tonight is about in the Garden of Gethsemane. Yeah. Not protected, but sustained. Exactly. And it's like, you know, Jesus, for example, you know, he wasn't protected from it. He had to go through it. James Finley often says, you know, bad things happen, and they do. And we are inexplicably sustained in them and through them. You know, I just want to mention here as well another wonderful example of this. I can't remember if we've spoken about this before. Etty Hillesum, who was a 28-year-old Dutch Jew who died in Auschwitz. She was 28, and she spent the last four years of her life writing a diary and heading towards her inevitable death. And it was very similar. Her arc of transformation just towards this increasing inner abundance and love and refusal to hate the very people that were killing. It's such, it's just such a beautiful demonstration of how to live inside of awfulness, but with this exquisite beauty and hope and love. So, I don't know, it's just so amazing. Yes. So amazing. Really. And it includes all of it. Like, it's not saying this is good. It includes the pain. And this exactly. is what I think is so subtle and nuanced and gorgeous and powerful. It's so subtle because it's not to say, oh, suffering is okay, you know, just like suck it up. It's not like suck it up and, you know, get on with it. It's something extremely tender, beautiful, and so completely real and grounded. It says that for your experiencing, there's an intimacy, there's a love, there's an accompaniment that meets you right there. You know, tragedy and all, death and all. It's like love yeah. in and through death. Like it's just so completely all-encompassing and just like interpenetrating of everything, that love. It's so illogical. I can't even find the words for it. All I know, all I know is that it's a, it's an intu it's a deep intuition and I choose to live my life by it. That's all. I know it just brings this joy. And in terms of aliveness or theme of the podcast, to me, that's aliveness. It's this sense of, I cannot even understand what I'm saying here. I don't know what I'm saying, but I'm, something in me knows it to be true. And I'm good with that. Like, I, that's how I'll, I want to live my life. And I have since as far back as I can remember. And it's kind of wonderful, really, honestly. It is. It's wonderful to behold. It is very healing and wonderful to witness. It inspires me on. And personally, my journey in faith has been very different from yours. I was also brought up in, in the church, and I took a more winding road. And my winding road has taken me 
in places that the church I was raised in would not approve of in any way, shape, or form. And part of the very personal horizontal healing that happens with you, Heather, and with the wisdom community is I can see your, you know, I feel a little bit like the tax collector or the prodigal son or something sometimes because I feel like I haven't done things as I'm supposed to do them. And yet I feel your welcoming of of me and my heart. And it gives me permission to return with in a whole new way to these horizontal forms that are, you know, Christianity's in my blood, in my bones. So I wanted to offer that as well. Thanks. And, you know, the thing is, like, like who of us has done it the right way? Like, what does that even mean, the right? Like, there is no right way. Right. All, to me, all it is is just having this open and vulnerable heart, which you have like unbelievably much. And, you know, to be willing to be met and loved by the divine, that is it. That's everything. There's like nothing to do or attain on. There's no bar to reach. You know, there's no like nothing. It's not about being good. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? It's just like just showing up in our honesty and in our authenticity as who we are. And being filled by the divine, you know, that's it. I want to like scream and like, yes, I'm like, <laughs> I'm crying because yes, like this is all it is. This is it. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't get better than that. There's nothing more to add to that really, is it? That is it in a nutshell. And it's just so damn <laughs> wonderful. And so joyful. It really is. This work is so satisfying for me because it's meeting at that point of artisan. It's like, it's sort of insulting to our egos that it would be this simple. There's a part of me that still thinks I should go off and do a hundred million different courses and, you know, become an expert in this, that, and the other. But, and, you know, maybe I will, maybe I won't. But I'm content, you know, with this is enough. There's nowhere else to go, really. Could be interesting to read another book, but... Mm -hmm. I love books, but you know. Yeah, if we feel like it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, and then it's just learning as, you know, again, as James Finley says, you know, learning to abide in that place, just learning to abide and rest in that place where, where we do feel that connection. So this is the thing, you know, this is what I would want to say. This is my deepest, whatever I'd want to say to people listening is, to spend time, to be conscious of where it is in your life, where you realize that you're alive in the sense that you feel connected, you feel generative, where it's not just about yourself, but it's about connection, it's about other, it's about nature and the world and the suffering world, people. Wherever you feel connection, joy, peace, just take note and then return to that, just return to it. Spend time in those places with that kind of disposition and cultivate it. Cultivate that, as James Finley always says, that inner stance that offers the least resistance to being overtaken by all that you aspire to and want and long for. Cultivate it. And as you do, then it starts to gradually become this a kind of inner abiding, a way of living, a kind of 
inner humming. I kind of feel it as an inner humming, just a kind of quivering presence that's just there and sustaining in whatever. And I think as we just do that, as we find our practices and do what we do, it just becomes more immediate that we can go to that place of humming. <laughs> That's, you know, a vibrational kind of joy, whatever it is, and live there, go through life like that more and more. It's this place of life and inner abundance and joy, generativity to other people, that kind of thing. If what you've been hearing on this episode is resonating with you, you may be wondering if transformational microdosing has the potential to change your life too. Transformational microdosing layers intentionality, ritual, and deep inner work on top of a microdosing practice to create the potential for permanent shifts in your way of being with yourself and others. I invite you to receive my free transformational microdosing guide, which includes all the ins and outs of microdosing, as well as how to set intentions, create ritual, and structure your inner work throughout your journey. I've also included stories from two transformational microdosers. The intention of this guide is to empower you to develop a deep and generative relationship with the medicine. You can find the link to receive the guide in the show notes or go to expandwithmicrodosing.com. And can you share some examples of how you have or do this so people can really have a feel for what this might look like? Yeah, I feel so lucky in, in a way. When I was very little, you know, when I was four, five, six, I was growing up in India and I had a deep connection to my grandmother back in England and with my parents and those closest to me in my life who really helped me sort of get into this from a very early age. So it became habituated from when I was quite young, but it was, to me, it was really just taking my sense of my relationship with God as my six-year-old self. And, you know, and this is so unique to each one of us. It was to find my sense of like me, and God, as my six-year-old self, it was, you know, it was the sense of Jesus as this very close companion, inner presence, friend, whatever. And I just grew that. I grew that. I, it was like a continual companion to me in and through everything and has always been and continues to be. So for, but for each one of us, it will be a slightly nuanced and different thing. But what is your sense of the divine in you in terms of relationship? Like, How can you relate so that, I, you know, I often feel like, and especially in sort of the contemplative circles and the wisdom community even, we talk a lot about the divine and about God in the third person, but not so much too, like actually cultivating a relationship. And to me, that's everything. It's like, you know, I, like last night I was going to bed. I always like that moment when I put my head on the pillow and it's like, I know I'm not going to talk to anyone else. It's like the end of the day, all that's ahead of me is sleep. And I lie there and I'm just like, all that I've got left is I love you. It's just like there's a gratitude. It's just me and God left. <laughs> and it's that. What is your way of relating to the divine inside you? It's a relationship. It's a companion. It's an intimacy. It's just knowing that that presence, that love that we can just not put words to is there and is yours and is with you and for you and in you and ahead of you and behind you and around you. 
and just love that. Just love it. Express your love to that divineness and receive it back. That's been my way. That's been my way. That's my deepest heart and wish for anybody else. It's just so wonderful just to not be on your own through life. It's just this presence. There have been times in my life where things didn't feel right. And I remember one time I brought to you like a lot of anxiety that I was experiencing, especially in the night. And your invitation to me was so different from anything I had received before. It was such an invitation to be with that suffering as it, And I feel inadequate to speak it the way you did, but I received it in my body. This invitation to be with the suffering as it was real, rather than like trying to fix it in any way and welcome it as part of my relationship with with life and to love it even. Like to love the sleeplessness, to love the anxiety, to love the fear. And it you know, I'm changing in process as this stance changes to everything. It's such an in- incredibly powerful way of living to live in this relationship of love at the core. Yeah, and as you said a little while ago, like it is, it's so subtle, isn't it? It's important to look after yourself, and I know you know tons about those kinds of tools for like looking after yourself mentally and emotionally and psychologically and those are important and have their place but there is something about this you know in modern life about trying to get rid of things we don't like about ourselves getting rid of our suffering in a way that actually to the extent that we can lean into it just a little bit as much as we can bear as much as our nervous system can take to lean into it like say grief and loss, ease into it, find a spaciousness inside there and open inside of that to this divine love and be met there. Oh my goodness. There's nothing in that space to get rid of and to pretend isn't there or to push away. Or It's like we can just be anxious and we're loved and loved, anxiety and all, as James Finney would say, in and through it all, in and through our yeah. fear. I'd like to talk about the word unraveled because you used it earlier. You are basically in this interview anticipating everything that I want to ask you. This experience of talking with you and recording it, I'm feeling so much openness and I don't even know how to say it. Just so much overflow of this is how, this is yes. And this word unraveled, which I am really with, and I tried to put into words to somebody else the other day and I kerfuffled it because I'm quite with it. And I was wondering if you could speak to the word unraveled and what that means to you. Yeah. Well, I'm a bit unraveled right now. And and this is it, Alison, is that what you just said? I mean, I feel so open and thrilled too. And this is where what's going on in this conversation is just not even about us. It's about something just like so immense. And that's unraveling. So unraveled is that to me, that which just reduces me to 
like I can't find words anymore. It's just, it reduces me to tears, to joy. Like I just want to, the sense of what I want to do gesture wise is just to like fall down on my feet and just bow down, unraveled. It's a word I first heard from James Findy, I think. And he's just, it's this sense of the beauty and the tragedy all coming together and it being okay. And that love has the last word, you know, love is all. And it's just so beautiful that you just like don't know what to do with it. To me, that's being unraveled. Unraveled, not to polarize anything, but it's a good thing in Heather and I's world. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> oh, it's really good. Like, <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> I just yeah. want to say that this yeah. is like the desired way of this is what Jim was describing so I want to say that and then I want to hear what you yeah unraveled I'm just incidentally I said to Jim I was asking him about this word unraveled and he said you know he's like nearly 80 having gone through everything he's gone through in his life that he literally lives in a state of being unraveled all the time and I know it's true and I see it in his love-filled eyes and that just brings me such hope and such joy. Just like this little bit that I'm going to read now from Etty. Okay, so imagine Etty, she's 28. She doesn't quite realize it, but she's going to die in Auschwitz in like three months' time from when she writes this letter from a labor camp back to a friend. And this is it. This undoes me. This unravels me. She's so she's surrounded by, can you imagine, unimaginable suffering and awfulness in this camp. And she says... You have made me so rich, O oh God. Please let me share out your beauty with open hands. My life has become an uninterrupted dialogue with you, O oh God. One great dialogue. Sometimes when I stand in some corner of the camp, my feet planted on your earth, my eyes raised towards your heaven, tears sometimes run down my face, tears of deep emotion and gratitude. At night, too, when I lie in my bed and rest in you, O oh God, tears of gratitude run down my face, and that is my prayer. I have been terribly tired for several days, but that, too, will pass. Things come and go in a deeper rhythm, and people must be taught to listen. It is the most important thing we have to learn in this life. I am not challenging you, O oh God. My life is one great dialogue with you. I may never become the great artist I would like to be, but I am already secure in you, God. Sometimes I try my hand at turning out small profundities and uncertain short stories, but I always end up with just one single word, God. And that says everything, and there is no need for anything more. And all my creative powers are translated into inner dialogues with you. The beat of my heart has grown deeper more active, and yet more peaceful. And it is as if I were all the time storing up riches. That's it. You know, that it's just so... She speaks to everything I think we've been talking about in this conversation, just this deep inner richness and contentment that's full of suffering, full of joy, full of beauty. 
And I don't know, I, know, I see this in you, Alison. I see that same thing in you, just like this beauty and the unraveledness I see in you, just like your life has been, and it's still like imperfect. There's just so much imperfection <laughs> in all our lives. It's not how we'd want it to be. But it's also okay and that inner dialogue becomes richer and deeper and more sustaining, more beautiful. And that's really everything. It is. And my gratitude for coming into connection with that unraveledness, with that beautiful inner dialogue of love and okayness. And to be, you know, having conversations with people like you and expressing this in the world as opposed to expressing the lack and the pain, but expressing this yeah. is it's so beautiful. Like it's just everything. <laughs> yeah. It is. Also, oh my gosh. It is. This, it's like, isn't it a relief to just have this to have a mindset that's like okay i don't need to fix this i don't need to fix my life it's it, like i can work i can tweak it you know make it better for me and others i mean that's fine but it's just not where it's at really yeah. it's kind of secondary and this is why i asked you to speak with me today because i'm on the journey of articulating this and you I wanted the people who are interested in this work and interested in aliveness and who are working on themselves. I always say in quotes, because it is kind of work, especially at the beginning, there's stuff. Life, there's stuff, psychological stuff, physical stuff. But I want the core of my life to represent this, that we can stand and feel our feet in the earth and know that there is just God, there is just love and it is okay. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah, exactly. If there's anything I would want to just say in this conversation is to anyone listening, it's like find the particularity, the uniqueness that no one else has of your relationship with the divine, of otherness what is that for you what is that where is it where do you locate it inside your body how do you relate to it how do you cultivate it and then just cultivate it it's the best relationship you'll ever cultivate it will it's the most worthwhile thing you can do with your life <laughs> and it will spill out into all other relationships and all living and being i mean, so yes <laughs> i um, feel like we've said it is there anything else on your mind that you would like to say heather before i thank you and i just i'm just thinking up? i'm just thinking of this cool quote by i think this was the last archbishop of canterbury rowan williams and he just says this perfectly that spirituality is the cultivation of a sensitive and rewarding relationship with eternal truth and love. For me, that kind of articulates it so nicely. Because uh, we can find our nuanced way of living into that. But it's the cultivation of a sensitive, it's like sensitive, it's a rewarding relationship. It's a relationship 
with eternal truth and love. So it's eternal. It's forever. It's finding how to find the kind of eternal quality and reality in every part of your day and to live into that, like to live into what's eternal inside us at every possible moment that we can live into that, into what's lasting and true and real and life-giving, joy-filled and connecting. And just to say, just thank you so much for asking me to talk with you like this. And to everyone listening, I just think, you know, you, Alison, are just so inspiring to me. Our conversations are so inspiring to me. Like you've opened up my heart. Every time we talk, we just you open my heart up. This is the nature of this kind of conversation, the reciprocity of like we open each other up or like something's opening us both up to the same wonder, you know? And I just so love what you're doing with your life and your heart and your just robust, kind of beautiful, soft determination to do what you do and to give your life to love. That's what I love in you. And you do it with such beauty in your tears and in your joy and in your own way and authenticity. So anyway, I just wanted to say that it's just been such a gift for our lives to cross. Oh, yes. And I thank you, I mean, for everything and for this conversation. This is a real inflection point for me in how I share in the world, there's been this transformation from this like psychotherapist to something else, some other human and having the courage and the openness and the willingness to share your heart in this unraveled way to not try to like give people a process or an answer, but for us to just be ourselves together unguarded, unraveled in public conversation is so enlivening, exciting, meaningful, and your accompaniment is to me. So thank you. Thank you. And it's it's so precious to me. And it's just, as you say, it's this sense of like, there's nothing to promote. It's nothing to promote. It's nothing to defend. I don't even know. It's like, it's, I'm just being me. You're just being you. We have these little intuitions as to what yeah. love is. And we tr- do our best to live into that. That's all. That's all. <laughs> That's right. And one, one final thing, actually, I just want to mention. I just want to, I want to mention Bill Redfield, who's been a really huge influence in my life and help mm. to me in my in me finding traction with this work. I just owe so much to him. So I just want to shout out to Bill Redfield. And he has a website, williamredfield.com. And I know that I wouldn't be doing this work that I'm doing with you, Alison, with, without his encouragement and his seeing me. And so I just want to thank him publicly, yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's beautiful. I'll put it in the link to the show. So if people want to dig in more, they can read and explore. And connect. And I think that's a beautiful way to open to more. Okay, great. That sounds good. Great. Thank you so much, Alison. Lots of love. Lots of love to you and lots of love to everybody listening. It's so cool kind of feeling. Don't you think? Just like feeling people listening. You can feel it. 
Oh, sending love out. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> They're cool. If this resonates with you, be sure to subscribe so you get all the juicy episodes to come. And if you have a friend who is deep into their personal growth and healing journey, share this podcast with them too. Now go out and experience the aliveness that's here for you today.